but what I was, what hit me as I was preparing this and rewriting it and, and really seeking the Lord on what in the world I should speak about, um, the thought came to me that, that the, if I was to, if this was to be my last message, the last message I was ever to speak, what would I say? How would I say it? And really, when I thought about it, every message should be that way. We should always think that it's our last message, our last opportunity. And we as people, as we're listening to these messages, we should begin to consider the fact this could be the last message that I'm able to listen to. And I should take whatever value I can get out of it that it's going to help my soul, help me to live my life for the glory of God. So as we look into this passage, um, you know, first and foremost, you know, if I, was, if I was to say what's the most important thing, it's that Jesus came to save sinners and the opportunity is there to accept Jesus as our savior and to become engrafted in and adopted into his family and give our lives to him. We give our life to God and we can live our life to the glory of God and in eternity we will be with him forever. And uh, that's, that's the encouraging thing and that's the foundation really of everything that we speak about. And then there are other passages in the Bible that we also use to assist us in living and the message that we have today probably in some ways is going to make you feel uncomfortable at times and it made me feel uncomfortable while I was writing it because when I write a message and when I'm reading and when I'm studying I'm applying it here first and then I'm giving it to you so you can feel bad with me and then at the end there is hope. There's something good that we will get out of it. So that's what we're going to talk about. The message, the title of the message is In the Weeds with a Lazy Soul, which is really encouraging and a good birthday message that you guys are going to have this morning. In the Weeds, or In the Weeds with a Lazy Soul. And we want to look at, before I pray, we want to look and read this passage. And it's in Proverbs chapter 24, verses 30 through 34. And it was one of the passages, it's one of the favorite, um, this kind of applies sort of to the revival, awakening messages, but it's also one of the favorite verses. So we're going to look at it kind of in those ways. It's kind of a favorite verse of someone. But let me read verses 30 through 34, and then we'll pray. This is Solomon speaking. I passed by the field of a sluggard, by the vineyard of a man lacking sense. And behold, it was all overgrown with thorns, and the ground was covered with nettles, and its stone wall was broken down. Then I saw and I considered it. I looked and I received instruction. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. Let's pray. So Father, as we look at this, 
And as we see these words, things come to our minds already as we hear these things and how this would apply to us. How would this apply to me? So we ask, Lord, that you would bring wisdom, that you would open our eyes to something that may be helpful in our walk with you. So thank you, Lord, that we can, we can look at your word together this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, because it is my birthday, I can do what I want. That's what I've been told. Wise words never have never been spoken. Um, and because it's my birthday, I could say, yeah, I don't know if you guys have ever seen, well, probably the, the bells of St. Mary's were, were uh, I'm getting sidetracked, I know. But it's my birthday, I can do what I want. And... Uh, Anyway, Father O'Malley, okay, is uh, the priest that comes into a, a new church. He's supposed to fix it, and there's a school and everything. And all the kids come, and they gather, and he wants to speak to them. And he says, everybody, we're going to declare a holiday. You can all go home. And all the kids scream and yell, and they all leave. And the nuns are standing there dumbfounded. And he said, well, I wanted to make a good impression. See, I could just say... There's nothing important here for me to say. Let's just all go home, have coffee, and, and we'll, we'll visit. But I think there's something valuable here that is going to be good for us. And my hope is, my hope is that our response to this would be, would be deep, a deep response in our own souls. So the main point of our message this morning is our walk brings opportunity for honest evaluation and a restoration in our relationship with Jesus. Our walk, our life, our walk brings opportunity for honest evaluation and a restoration of our relationship with Jesus. So we're going to look at three things today, and we'll have some sub-points in here and there, which, Jim, you have no idea what I'm doing there, but that's all right. I've got three points. One is the walk, and we're going to look at the walk for a little bit. One is evaluation, lots of weeds and broken boundaries under that. And restoration is pulling the weeds and strengthening the walls. So this is what we're going to look at this morning. So let's look at the walk. Everybody walks. We all walk. As a Christian, you know, we should be asking people how your walk is. Roxanne's got a cousin. He's the guy that married us, actually. Uh, and any time I would see him, any time, he would come up to me and say, how was your walk with the Lord? He wouldn't ask me, hey, how are you doing? He wouldn't ask, tell me about a game that was on TV. He wouldn't tell me about what was happening in his own life. He'd come up to me and say, how's your walk with the Lord? This has been going on for 40 long time. Anyway, almost 50 years. So this is, this is how he would do How was your walk with the Lord? Or people would say, oh, is he still walking with the Lord? Have you ever heard people say that? I haven't seen him in a long time. Are they still walking with the Lord? You hear those little things. Or when they pass away, if they've been a Christian a long time, oh, they walked with the Lord for 60 years. You know, that's a long time walking with the Lord. I remember meeting someone who was a Christian, and they were, <laughs> it was 54. I was young at the time. I was probably in my late 20s, early 30s. And they said, I've been a Christian for 54 years. I said, this is unimaginable. How could, now I'm at that point, and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, 
I'm hitting that place. Walking with the Lord for a long time. It's good for us. Enoch, it says, walked with the Lord. David walked humbly with the Lord. But if we're not walking with the Lord, what are you walking in? What are you walking in? Sometimes as Christians, we can even get off track a little bit. We could be walking with the Lord on a Sunday. <laughs> or on the rest of the week, we start to veer off the path and we start to do different things or see things in a different way. And what I want to do this morning is to help us bring everything back together so our focus is in walking with the Lord. So what do we walk in? Do we walk in our own direction? Walking in the world, are we walking dissatisfied? Sometimes I've done that. Walking is we're just, sometimes we walk in self-pity. Oh, they're just walking in self-pity. Maybe all you're doing is just walking down memory lane, but we're always walking. There's always something we're moving ahead, we're moving forward, we're moving backward, we're moving in some way, shape, or form. We're always walking down, in, or out of something. And that thing is called life. That's what we do. So in our passage, Solomon is walking. He's going somewhere. We don't know where he was going. I don't know if he was trying to add to his steps that day. I'm not sure what he was trying to do, but he's walking. And he's walking by a vineyard. And he sees this. He's walking by it. And he's thinking. He's walking and looking. He's walking and considering and he's taking things in. Solomon gets a lesson. After walking by a particular piece of property, a vineyard, who someone, which someone owns, he says in verse 30, I passed by the field of a sluggard. Now he's just walking down the street. He's just walking by somebody's home or property or whatever, vineyard, I passed by the field of a sluggard, by the vineyard of a man lacking sense. Now you think, how judgmental of this fella, you know? But it was something that he saw, something that he noticed, something that he was looking at, it triggered this thought. It may have been common knowledge. Maybe everybody in town knew that this guy was lazy. Maybe everybody knew there was something, but he's saying, I'm walking by it and I'm learning something about it. He's not declaring this man is lazy and, you know, Everybody know it. Let's put a sign on their property. Stay away from him. He's no good. It's not what he's saying. He says, I want to learn something. I want to learn something about this. What do I have in common with this? About this situation. But this is what comes to his mind. Verse 30. Field of a sluggard. A man lacking sense. So he's passing this field, and the word sluggard there, basically, if you look at the Hebrew, it just means lazy person. Sluggard means lazy person. And then it's a vineyard of a person lacking sense. The word here, lacking sense, is in need of, is lacking. Lacking is in need of. And sense, defined here, he's lacking heart or will or understanding inclination, determination, resolution. He's lacking something in there to motivate him. Basically, he doesn't want to do anything. I think that's what we can deduce from this. But his property is making a statement about himself. 
His property is doing this. But there's more than property that we want to look at out of this. This isn't where the focus needs to be. It's not about the property itself. It's about the spiritual life. And that's what we want to look at. What about our spiritual lives? Are we lacking energy in our spiritual lives? Are we lacking vision? Are we lacking heart? Are we lacking inclination, determination, kind of an oomph feeling within our spiritual lives? Is the spirit willing but the flesh weak? Is that what's going on in our lives? A lot of times we let things go because it's too much work. We think there's too much there and we become overwhelmed and we just start to sit back and we say, ah, I'm just going to be lazy today, I'm not gonna do anything. And we're finding that we're, we're doing that with our spiritual lives and we become spiritually lazy. We become spiritual sluggards and we don't function. It's interesting when you talk, Bauer and I were talking about this this morning. Anytime in history that there has been a revival, what happens in a church? Well, a church becomes busier. Whenever there's a revival in the church, all of a sudden the activity starts to rise. And basically what I'm su suggesting is we don't want to get to that place where we're not ready for a revival, where we're lazy and we can't, we can't say, oh, no, that's just too much work. We don't want God to move in this way. We'd have too much to do. The revival messages that Bauer shared the last few weeks are excellent. I encourage you to listen to them. Um, I think it, it really calls us to look at ourselves, calls us to pray, and I think we're doing more of, more of that praying and asking God, what are the areas in my life that I need to look at and need to scrutinize and need to bring back to a focus on the Lord? What are the things that have robbed me of my joy? What are the, the things that have stolen my peace? Those are the things we need to look at when we're preparing these things. They've clouded my vision. Maybe it's because you're lonely and you're just not sure what to do. Maybe you need to, to get back into uh, fellowship with people. Maybe our vision is clouded or I've, we've, uh, our trust has been affected in the Lord, the Lord of the universe. We need to look at our faith in Jesus. We need to get back to what is going on there and really look at our lives. Now, I'm not saying we're total losses here. And I'm not saying that you are just a, a sluggard church, nothing, because we do tons of great things here. But I'm talking about your individual spiritual life. What are you missing out on? There are areas everybody has. I've got them. Everybody has an area in their life that they're missing out on the grace of God in that particular area. And I want to encourage you to look at this. So this morning we're walking. People walk, people walk by the parsonage. You know, it's interesting because during the drought, everybody's grass was, uh, was dying. It was just totally brown. But our grass, well, our weeds were green and lush. Everything was growing really good. It looked really great. 
on the yard. And everybody's going, what are you, watering it? What are you, your yard looks so good. People, people walk up and down the street all the time here. They go walking. And we'd be out there and they say, your yard looks wonderful. I say, it's just weeds. What are you doing to it? Nothing. It's, we're just letting them grow. We're, we figured, you know, there's a drought. The grass is going to die. Let's let the weeds grow. And it was green and beautiful. As soon as the growing season stopped, you can look at it now. It's like dead nasty. You know, it's, it's just a horrible looking thing. But you know what? Pretty soon, unless we change it to grass, it's going to get green again. And these weeds are going to grow. And it looks nice. But what's the meaning behind it? It's not the crop we want to grow. We want Kentucky bluegrass, or we want something along that line. We, we don't want weeds. That's the thing we're going to look at. So we want to evaluate. So we're going to go to point two here, evaluation. Lots of weeds and broken boundaries. Lots of weeds and broken boundaries. So we want to evaluate our life. We want to consider what we have to see as you look at your own life, as you walk by your own life, what are you seeing? What are you looking at as you evaluate? First house I ever bought, I've never bought that many, so just, you know. Um, first house we ever got was back in, I think it was 91, 92, 1991, 92. It's a four-bedroom colonial in Akron, Ohio. Paid $39.9 for it. It's a very lovely home. <laughs> you can't get, uh, I think, the shed out in the back of the parsonage with the hole in the roof. You can pay $39.9 for that. Um, but, uh, but in this place, I, I would stand outside when I first got it, because it was the first house we ever owned, because we lived for years in apartments and things like that. So I would sit outside, and I would look at the yard. I would look at the house. I would, I would start to really give thanks to God for the blessing of giving us this thing and, um, and providing it for us. And, but I always looked at it, and as we, we got used to living there, Roxanne took care of the garden because that's her thing. She takes care of flower gardens, and that's, that's great. And I would mow the yard, and I would do the rock wall, which we'll get into later, but we would, we would take care of what was given to us. And we'd look at, I'd start to look at what was needed. I was the guy that mowed. I was the guy that did the yard work as a whole. We had hedges in the front. I'd trim the hedges and different things like that. But one of the things, one of the first things we got rid of in the yard was a, a yucca plant. Does everybody know what a yucca plant is? The name it speaks for itself. Okay, it's a yucca plant. I think you can eat yucca, can't you? Okay, the root goes down deep. I hate the look of it. It was just a nasty thing. I'm not saying that God makes mistakes, but if he did, that's what he would have done. And you can't just cut it off because the root is so thick and so... So you'd have to dig and dig and dig and dig deeper to try to get the whole root. But eventually we got rid of the yucca plant. 
It was our intention to get rid of it. We didn't want to have it. It took us a couple of different times to get it because in the spring, all of a sudden, he'd pop back up again. But we finally got rid of it. It wasn't just a surface thing. And too often, we look at the surface. We want to take care of the surface things. We don't want to take care of anything very deep. We don't want to take care of the roots. And it's the roots that we have to take care of when it comes to our lives and our spiritual life and our sin and whatever it is that's hindering us in our relationship with the Lord. So Solomon, Solomon observed in verse 31, and behold, it was all overgrown with thorns and the ground was covered with nettles and its stone wall was broken down. So the word overgrown here, a better translation might be completely overgrown. Um, this guy didn't just forget to mow his yard. His lawn, he didn't just skip it for a couple of weeks. This was like totally, totally overgrown. And the, the word here for, uh, for overgrown is it's, it's interesting because it says completely ascended. The word overgrown is completely ascended. Everything had grown up. It had grown up high and it had grown up big. Now, we have a tree out in the back parking lot, which you won't be able to tell too easily if you look at it today. But there is a vine that probably grows 40 feet into the air around this pine tree. And you can watch this thing in the spring, the leaves will come out and it'll be covered and in the fall it turns red. I don't know if it's poison ivy or not, but it turns red and you look at it and you say, that's the most amazing looking thing you ever saw. What it's doing is it's strangling the tree. This thing is just wrapping itself and eventually we probably should cut it down. But, um, but it's a, just a nasty thing. It's growing, it's ascending and this is what was happening in this vineyard, everything was growing up and nothing was being done to stop it. No lawnmower was gonna take care of it. And you had to do something about it. You had to trim it, you had to cut it, what was left of it. Otherwise it was going to take over and keep going. There are things in our lives like that that are growing weeds, growing vines, and they keep growing and we don't fully deal with them. And eventually they go out of control in our lives. So what is it here in our passage that's overgrown? Thorns and nettles, it says. Thorns, if we define it, it's like a thistle or a thorny, useless weed, plant. So it's, a, it's kind of a thistly thing. <laughs> thistly thing. The thing about thistles, tongue twister, is that thistles can have little flowers on them. And little flowers, we go, oh, that, isn't that nice? Isn't that pretty, that little flower there? And we would just go ahead and we just let it grow and develop. And really what's happening is underground, the roots of this thing is growing deeper and deeper and it's starting to spread more and more. And we don't want to just look at what's above ground and say it's a pretty little flower that can distract us from the realization of what the major problem is, which is the roots that are growing and the weeds that are spreading and everything going up distracts us. Also takes up the nutrients of the soil. Weeds in our life take up our energy. The problems, the trials, the difficulties that we have in our life take up our energy if we don't know how to give them to the Lord. And this is something that we need to do. What 
little flowers are distracting you from dealing with things in your life? What's continually growing? What weed is growing in your life? Everybody's got weeds. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're a rich, rich, multi-million billionaire person that has a house. You get weeds in your yard, and that's why you hire lawn people. Because there's a weed, and they run over, and they dig it up. Okay, but a lot of times, we don't do that. The nettles word is defined, if you define it, it's weeds. Weeds that choke out good growth. That's what these weeds are. It reminds me of Luke chapter 8. When you're talking about weeds and nettles and thorns, you start to think about that. In Luke chapter 8, we have the parable of the soils. Verses 5 through 8, Jesus says, A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell on the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on a rock, and, it was, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up with it, and it choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Verse 7 there, And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up with it, and it choked it. It choked it. The word of God is the seed. The potential of the word of God is miraculous. And we can grow in it. We can grow spiritually. We can grow in character. We can grow in our faith. It changes us. It makes us more like Christ. But how do we receive it? How do you receive this? Do we receive it like good soil? Or do we receive it like, oh, we're just moving along? Just getting anything. Verse 15, Jesus said in that passage in Luke, as for that in the good soil, they are those who hearing the word hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. Boy, that's an ideal thing. How many of us have are honest and good-hearted to bear fruit patiently? Um, that's the one that gets me of the patiently thing. Or are we, do we have areas in our life that fell in the other things? Jesus explains in verse 14, and as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the what? Cares, the riches, the pleasures of life, and their fruit doesn't mature. It hinders our spiritual maturity to have weeds in our lives it causes us to for our growth to be stunted so are we a hearer do we go away and do we face the world with faith does the word filter what's going on in the word uh, world and and god's word is getting into us and we get its godly perspective about life as we should You know, if we come to the place where we are, let's, let's look at this a little bit. If we come to the place where there's more worries than peace, more wandering than stability, more striving than rest, those are symptoms of something that we need to look at our lives because we want to have that proper perspective because there are things, there may be events in your life that, that we deal with in a way that is not a way that God would have us deal with it. We worry about it. We think we're in control. 
We have all those different things that come around us. When we don't trust in the Lord, when we don't have the proper perspective, our hopes and plans are just that, our hopes, our plans. Our plans without God, we're just planting things in the middle of weeds, and they're not going to go anywhere. We need to weed, basically. We need to weed in our lives. easier, what did he say? Solomon say, it's easier a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands. We, need to, we think we need to take a nap. Some of you may be doing that now, I don't know. We need to take a nap, but no, we need to weed. We need to weed and look at our lives in a much fuller way. Solomon mentions another thing. He mentions stone walls being broken down. What are those? What are these stone walls? It's a fence around the property, if you want to say. It's a, it's a protective area around the property. We know what stone walls in. We live in New England. There are stone walls everywhere. And this one is broken down. Uh, to define that, it means torn down or utterly destroyed or broken through. We don't know why or how, but it looks like it's from neglect. But Solomon considers this. Now, if you had a fence on your property and a tree fell on it, would you just leave it there? Or would you cut the tree up and fix the fence? Probably we would do this. This guy didn't do this. And looking at the walls, they're usually used as markers and barriers to keep things out. But we're not supposed to keep everything out. Being Christians, you know, you're not supposed to build up a wall. Otherwise, we just turn into monastery and you think you're hidden from the world. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. And it's important for us to realize that these walls that we are building, they're walls that are, that are um, and I'm going off track here, but they're walls that are, that are built so that we can um, have standards in our life, have convictions in our life to keep the world from affecting us because the world is going in a specific direction and it's too easy for us as Christians to go in that direction as well. When we become complacent and we just let things sit and we let things go, we go by way of hundreds, even thousands of churches today that no longer preach the gospel and they just go down a certain road with society, they may be morally trying to bring about something, but they're finding that society today is no longer moral. And they just go with that and it goes down the tubes. And we don't want that in our life. There's an aspect of protection. There's an aspect of stability in our lives when we have the, the wall of God's grace, the wall of God's word. And we're going to get into that in a little bit. And I'm so far off track now, I have no idea what I'm doing. But the wall is a marker, it's a barrier, it keeps things out when we become Christians. And God is our barrier. You know the old hymn, Martin Luther wrote the old hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. What in the world is a bulwark? You know, they put these songs up there and you're going, where in the world did he get that word? But it's a defense wall is what a bulwark is. It's a defense wall. It can be used for sides of ships as well. But it's a wall of defense. It's to keep things from coming at us. God protects us that way. He gives us perspective. 
a bulwark never failing, our helper he amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. The flood of society, the flood of all the things that can come at us. God helps us. God protects us. He wants to protect us. He wants us to be able to walk through these things clearly and easily. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to share something with you. Uh, just in the breakdown of this, <laughs> no pun intended, the breakdown of this wall aspect. Uh, and this is a flawed, this is a flawed thing, but I'm going to share it with you anyway. There's four layers that we're going to talk about in a wall. There's four layers. There are many more than that, but we don't have time for that. Someday we have to get out of here. So what is the wall in our life? What is the wall made up of? in our life. If you want to relay a wall in your life, if you feel that your wall is broken down a little bit and things are not going right, what is a way to build that back up? The first thing is your relationship with Jesus. That Jesus is the foundation. If you're going to build a wall, and it depends on how high the wall is, you have to big, dig down deep enough to sustain how high your wall is going to be. The deeper it is, the higher you can make the wall. So you want to be able to have that kind of foundation, and your foundation is Jesus. That's what you need in your life if you want to rebuild your wall, if it's starting to get tattered and torn, if it's starting to fall and crack, if pieces are starting to come down, you want to make sure Jesus is the foundation in your life. Secondly, it's the word of God that's in our lives. The wisdom, the practical knowledge, the moral boundaries. In the world today, it's hard to keep our walls in good shape because there's stuff that's coming at us all the time. Morally, society's boundaries are becoming non-existent and we begin to compromise. As Christians, we don't want to go with the flow with society. We want to shore up our walls with the word of God, strengthen our faith with the reliance upon his word and believe that he truly is the bulwark, the defensive wall for us. And we need to do spiritual maintenance in order to do that. The third thing is prayerful reliance upon the Lord. The joy of that relationship that God provides prayerful. It's talking to God. It's relating to someone. It's a relationship that we're going back and forth. And God, as we pray to him, God provides insights. God provides guidance. God gives us direction. He gives us clarity in decision making. And we have fellowship with the God of the universe. And you can't beat that. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. You can share and leave these burdens with him and cares so that you can walk confidently in the Lord and not be taken back by all of these things. Last thing about a wall is the safety and the support of his church. And this is a lot of things coming from a Jesus, the Jesus movement. The church wasn't as important to us because we were a bunch of Jesus freaks just starting any old thing we wanted. And it, we, we loved it and it was fun and everything like that. But you needed the support of the church. If it's a gospel preaching church, that's what you need. 
And that's the important thing. We need that support. It causes growth. It causes encouragement because we receive things. We fellowship together. We encourage one another. It's practical. It's spiritual. And it's helping our foundation and our wall to grow higher and higher and stronger and stronger. Our wall isn't for keeping us isolated. It's to make sure that Christ is the center of our lives. It keeps a check of our actions. It helps us to, to know when we're overstepping and keep from deception. That's a message for another day anyway. But Now, if things are neglected, our walls can fall. Our house earlier I, t- I talked to you about that we had in Ohio, I thought it was a good idea to build a stone wall. I wanted a wall. In Ohio, you don't have stones. You don't have stone walls in Ohio, at least our part. So I went and I got all these stones and I built a stone wall and I loved that stone wall and I went out and I'd watch the stone wall and every once in a while a stone would come out of place and I would go back and fix it and I would take care of that stone wall. When we moved, a couple of years later, I checked, of course, on Google to see a picture of my old house and the wall was gone. The first thing it was, it had fallen apart and pieces were laying down. And and then a few years later, after that, the wall was gone. Because nobody wanted to take care of it. If we don't take care of it, you know, kids can run in and out of their yard now. They couldn't before. (laughs) If you don't want to take care of your wall, it's going to fall apart. The important thing that's, that we really need to know that there's good news here. And it's not that our wall, we have lots of weeds and we have walls that are falling down. The important thing is restoration. Restoration. God restores. God is a restorer. The last point is restoration. Pulling the weeds and strengthening the walls. Solomon's observation verses. 32 through 34, then I saw and considered it. I looked and received instruction, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. This observation was practical and obvious, but I believe there's a spiritual side of this in our lives. Don't be spiritually lazy. There you go. Don't be spiritually lazy. Don't let things go. Don't be spiritually poor. Or you will be subject to the world. You will be subject to the enemy's lies, to sin. You will become a person that is, tries to rob something else to get your peace. Something from the world to take the place of the peace that God can give you. And that's unfruitfulness. That won't lead to anything that is good. So we want to be able to be pulling weeds and fixing walls. And it sounds like a lot of work. And, and you start to say, well, you know, Dave, I, I was, felt good before I came here. Um, and now you're telling me this. And the thing is, you know, we could just, you know, see all these weeds and take a flamethrower and just go... <laughs> and it looked like it was fine, and then they'd kind of grow up again. And that's not going to take it. We want to get rid of the weeds. We want to get rid of the roots, the different things that are causing, the thorns and the brambles that have developed. They don't want to be removed. They cling to you when you try to grab them. 
but it's something that we have to do. It's a, it's, it is a little work. It's not just a chainsaw, just cutting things down because we're not getting the root. But you have to get that root. But you have to identify it first. What is your weed? <laughs> Sounds kind of funny. What is your weed? <laughs> I was going to say, what is your weed of choice? And that's not good, so <laughs> I apologize for that. What are the weeds that you, it's my birthday, I can say what I want. What, what are the weeds that are growing in your life? What are the weeds? Is there a particular sin? Is it an unresolved relationship? Is it laziness? Is it worldliness? Now the trifecta of weeds is this. Unbelief. If you're struggling with unbelief, that is, that is a big Weed. Um, do you love worry? Do you love money? Those are, those, are, those are weeds that are very big. Pride is a very, very big weed. We're supposed to humbly go before the Lord. Restoration is work, but it's God's work. And this is what we have to know. It's a spiritual work. You can't do it alone anyway. You can't change yourself. This is the good news that God gives you the grace, gives you the ability, provides you with his spirit so that you can change in areas. All we need to do is repent of those things if they're sin and give them over to the Lord and ask God to change us. We're not alone in it. God does it. What it requires of us is this. We need to really repent. We need to repent. Which repentance means turn in another direction. If there's something in your life that's keeping you from spiritually growing and it's sin in your life, repent of it and go in a different direction. Go in the opposite direction of it. Then you humble yourself. You have to humble yourself and say, Lord, I can't do this on my own. I need your help, and I need the help of others. And ask for help. Revive your relationship with the Lord. Make sure that you're talking to him and relating to him. There's a desire there to be able to get up in the morning and spend some time with the Lord, seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then you want to start praying, and you want to start reading his word, and you want to start worshiping. You can worship alone, but worship with others too in the family of God. That's an important aspect. And then you want to go up to people like Jerry did and say, how are you doing in the Lord? And you want to honestly say to them how you're doing in the Lord, because it helps you to gain that perspective. And you can start pulling these weeds up by their roots. It starts rebuilding the walls that were torn down. Basically, you're landscaping your Christian life. You're bringing in the, the big guns of God's spirit and his work. So my question to you in closing is, how's your vineyard? As you're walking by your life, what's it look like? When people walk by your life, what do they see in you? Do they see the work of God and the grace of God in your life? Or do they see you concerned in the, uh, with the cares of this life. 
What are your boundaries that you want to build back in there? Are they compromised right now? Are they wordlessness? You're not getting into the word of God? Prayerlessness? Are you forsaking the body of Christ? Are you not getting together with other believers? Those are the those are boundaries you need to build back up. You need to be in the word. You need to be praying. You need to be getting together with the body of Christ. The weeds in your life are, you gonna, are going to hinder your personal revival. I'm not talking about a revival in the church. I'm talking about your personal life in Jesus. They're going to hinder that. We all have weeds, and we need to weed. So what I want to do in closing is this. I want us to bow our heads. Close your eyes. And if there's, and I'm not, we all have weeds, like I said, we all have weeds. But if there is a weed in your life, a sin, a problem, a situation, a relationship, a financial thing that is any of those things or anything else that is causing problems with your spiritual walk. I want to pray for you this morning. I just want you to raise your hand. I'm not going to point you out or anything. If you are having trouble with that, I want you to raise your hand and I'm going to pray for us. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. So I want to pray for us right now. So, Father, as we come to you, Lord, we know, we know that we are a flawed people. We are sinners only saved by grace, the mercy that you provided through your Son. And we thank you, Lord, that you have given us a life, that you have turned us around, that you have caused us to have a life where we can live for your glory live to have purpose, live for eternity, and we can enjoy fellowship with one another. But Lord, there are many things that hinder us. There are many things that stand in our way. This world is very difficult, and that's why we needed a savior. So I pray, Lord, that you would begin to give those that raise their hands that release of those roots in their lives. Lord, that you would pull those roots out of the weeds. Lord, that you would replace them with your power, your encouragement, your word, your disciplines, your, your love and your grace and your mercy. And Lord, that you would give new vision and life into their lives in this area. Lord, that you would take care of these weeds, whether it's a financial problem, whether it's relational. Lord, we pray as we lift this up to you together, we pray that you would work out the situation because you're a God of miracles. You're a God who cares. You're a God that loves us. So we pray that you would do that. And I thank you, Lord, for those that, that raised their hand. I pray, Lord, that you would bless them for that. And Lord, that you would put them in a, in a heading and in a, a sense of your, your protective wall around them. And Lord, that you would continue to help them as you should help all of us, Lord. We really need it. We pray that you will help us with all the weeds that are in our lives. 
and that we can just pull them up by the root and give the glory to God because we are free. We give the glory to God because we are at peace in a world where there is no peace. We can give the glory to God because we have purpose and vision in our life when so many, so many people out there have nothing. So we thank you, Lord, for your mercy. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the lessons, and we thank you, Lord, that Solomon went for a walk. And we pray that you would use this for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.